This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast bringing you an interview you will not hear anywhere else. And seriously, I was not going to hear this anywhere else. I went on vacation and you went off and did a great interview about the future of vacations with the CEO and president of Carnival. Right. We're talking about Arnold Donald and Carnival. It's the world's largest cruising group. And the cruise industry, Jason, you and I know this. We've been talking about it a lot. It's one of the hardest hit industries by the coronavirus. Carnival alone has seen its stock plummet. It's sold off ships. It's lost billions of dollars. It's raised billions more to get through the crisis. Bottom line, though, it's really all about getting ships back to sea. Check out this conversation. Arnold, it is great to have you back with us. How are you doing? Carol, thanks for asking. I'm great. How are you? Are doing, you doing okay? A, yeah, kind of getting used to uh, a new world order. And I guess the million dollar, billion dollar question, Arnold, you know that everybody has on their mind is how do you get the cruise industry? How do you get passengers back on ships? How do you get ships back at sea safely and responsi- responsibly around the world? Well, you know, Carol, first of all, you know, our primary uh, responsibilities and therefore our top priority is always compliance environmental protection, and the health, safety, and well-being of our guests, of the people in the places we go, and of course, our Carnival family, our shipboard and shoreside personnel. So, you know, the interests of public health is always in the forefront for us. And how do we get people back on ships? When there's um, social gathering and society has developed uh, the compensating measures that is comfortable with, that we have effectively mitigated the spread of COVID-19, Uh, and then we'll be able to cruise again. Now, there are a lot of people, as you know, Carol, who are ready to cruise right now. And in fact, we're looking at starting up in Europe where the spread has been mitigated substantially in places like Germany and Italy. And we're looking at starting up in September there, and and a few um, cruise lines have. But there's a lot of pent-up demand, you know, for travel in general, and especially for cruise. Well, and what I wonder, Arnold, though, can you kind of drill down a little bit? What are some of the specific protocols that you might put in place to get ships safely back at sea? I've been reading, you know, about different folks and what they might be considering different cruise lines. They're talking about no buffets, constant um, temperature checks, constant testing, maybe no excursions. What specific protocols will you be putting in place? Well, again, as you well know, we, we have a lot of measures in place already on cruise mm-hmm. that often shoreside uh, destinations don't already have or didn't have prior to COVID-19. We do medical screens. We were already doing temperature checks in many cases. Um, we had hand sanitizers throughout the ship and signs all over about washing your hands because we've had to deal with viruses and the over 700 ports and destinations we go to annually for many years. Now, of course, COVID-19 is especially unique because the whole world has shut down. And because of that, there's still a lot of learning around COVID-19. As you know from all the scientists, they're still aligning around epidemiology, they're aligning around testing, they're aligning around the role of testing. The one thing everybody right now is aligned on though, is that you know good personal care, in terms of wearing a mask, washing your hands, um, using hand sanitizers, you know, physical distancing at the appropriate times, but wearing a mask is a great way to mitigate the spread. So for the time being, any cruises that will happen will certainly incorporate some physical distancing and, you know, wearing masks. And of course, what we already had was the, the hand sanitizers, et cetera. Beyond that, um, there's a, a plethora of possibilities, but it depends on the destination, depends on the level of community spread in that destination etc. So there could be various testing protocols. I mean, that's a possibility. 
Uh, for the U.S., it's premature. You know, we're not ready to sail here yet. Um, obviously, the community spread is still pretty vibrant here in the U.S. Right. And uh, we're, we're not in a position to sail here. And we're walking cautiously in the other places, too, because our primary interest is to stand with everyone else in mitigating the spread of COVID-19. But I did read your, your Costa Cruz's safety protocols, and you talked about three tests for crew members before boarding. Um, you also talked about, of course, social distancing, new filters. Um, entertainment will have more shows on during the day so that there's smaller groups. And then also no right. self-service restaurants, so no buffets, which for many who go on a cruise, they're pretty used to it. So there are some changes coming. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For the ones that are going to sail now, we have to be ready, just like hotels today. Any hotel that's open today has to deal with the current situation and the limited knowledge there is. And so for Costa, we are deploying a number of testing protocols. Obviously, for our crew, uh, we have not only testing, but quarantine, et cetera, because it's really important for us to have the clue, crew um, you know, safe from the beginning and then to keep them safe. And obviously, um, once we get guests on board, uh, we'll have protocols on board for them. I do wonder how you do it safely. I mean, Arnold, you know this industry better than everyone uh, and better than most in terms of uh, lay personnel. But I wonder how you do it safely because there have been some smaller cruise operations that have come out of Europe, come out of Alaska, Tahiti. Um, and I believe there were less, at least 10 crew members aboard um, your AIDA cruise ships out of Germany that contacted the virus um, ahead of you getting ready to kind of get back uh, to the seas. Um, that was in August. So I just wonder how do you do this safely when and even when some small cruise operations are starting to go back out on the water and still having problems with the virus and people are contacting the virus. Carol, I think there's two stages. One is you want to reduce the risk of having um, the COVID-19 come on board from shore. So that's the first thing. So you test um, and you monitor and you quarantine in the case of the crew. So the ones you mentioned on AIDA, you know, those crew members were tested before they left their home country and then they were tested again once they arrived in Germany and we got some positives. They were then retested again, and a couple of, in several of those cases, the individuals got a double negative test after that, which meant they had a false positive. And then the others were obviously isolated and quarantined, and so the risk of them spreading it on board was zero because we wouldn't have them sail, okay? Now, once you're at that level, the, the next question is, uh, what else are you doing to mitigate spread? And that's where all the other practices on board in the event you do get someone on board who has COVID-19, if it's in society, um, if it's out there in general, chances are you eventually will have someone on board a ship that will have it. And so the, the trick then, of course, is to make certain that you are able to quickly identify that, you can isolate the person, and that during the time they were exposed, there was plenty of mitigation of risk protocols in place, so the probability of spread has been greatly reduced. And that's where, you know, wearing masks, physical distancing, washing your hands, um, using a hand sanitizer, et cetera, all come into play. Arnold, I do also wonder, you know, what are your plans for passengers and crew members who do get sick in the future? You know, you know the horror stories of ships that were, you know, basically lost at right. sea. They couldn't find a home port. You, I know, and your team have spent, you know, a long time repatriating, right. you know, your crew members back home. So what do you do? Will there be a way to airlift passengers off ships? What will you do? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, we had to repatriate over 80,000 crew members, and it took us quite a while with borders closed and uh, airlines shut down, et cetera. So it took us several months to effectively do that, but we were eventually able to do it. With regards to now, you know, that was before. Now there's enough understanding. We would not go to a destination where we did not have a plan already in the event that there was COVID on board. 
we're not going to tie up thousands of people off of one positive COVID case or a couple of positive COVID cases. You know, we would have the protocols in place to ensure one, that the individual is taken care of, who, whoever has it, that we can get them the care they need. Um, and then number two, that everyone else uh, is, is unaffected. You know, we would have some form of, of contact uh, tracing on board so we know who were the most exposed people. But we have to have those protocols for each destination. We go to 700 ports and destinations around the world. So they're all not gonna have the exact same protocols. And, and, but we will not go to a place where we haven't established exactly in the event there is a COVID case, exactly what's going to happen. All right, but you're not worried about, as we know, this virus you know, spread so, so quickly um, that you could go out to sea and end up with a handful of passengers or a lot more passengers, hundreds of passengers, and be kind of stuck at sea again. I mean, I'm just curious, kind of the worst case no, scenario, we, we Arnold, what would you do you know, in that case? We won't, we won't sail on a situation where we could be stuck at sea. I, I think, um, again, there's a lot more knowledge now than mm -hmm. when that was happening. Uh, number one, you know, we, we'll have some capability of testing on board. When that happened before, we didn't. Uh, we, we were, there's a lot of understanding now about how to mitigate spread. Uh, back then, nobody was talking about, you know, while you were cruising, you know, potentially wearing masks or physical distancing, that, that kind of thing. Um, and similarly, we have to look at the incidence of spread in a community. You know, we're not going to probably sell out of a community where the incidence of spread is very high uh, because you're almost certainly then going to have it, have it on board. Um, so we, we have to have the protocols. We have a great um, group of advisors, um, scientific advisors. Right. A number of them participated in a, a, a summit on COVID that we held with the World Travel and Tourism Council. It wasn't about travel, it wasn't about cruise, it was about the science of COVID. And um, a number of our advisors participated in that, um, that, that we, we produced and, and, and um, I co-hosted with Gloria Guevara from WTTC. Right. And so we're using their advice and of course every destination is studying this. Every port, every city, every nation and will as always be in compliance uh, and so we'll all have a protocol in place because no one wants you know thousands of people you know stuck at sea no, uh, nobody no, wants that. no doubt about and, that and i am curious about guidance from the cdc i mean what are you hearing arnold right now from the cdc about what they want to see specifically from carnival before heading out at sea again well cdc is concentrating initially on uh, what we call the pause uh, you know, a, a number mm -hmm. of us volunteered to stop sailing and so on, and then the CDC issued uh, no sail orders. And so they've concentrated on the ships because even though we're in a pause, we still have 12,000 crew required to minimally man our ships. The ships are still out there, they're still operating. Right. And so the CDC focused on that initially. Uh, and now they've started a, a beginning to ask for public input and uh, to be submitted in terms of consideration um, for crews going forward. Uh, but there have been no specific direction given on what's expected. Uh, what we're going to do is, again, use our you know, expert advisory group to inform us, to use the experiences around the world right. that we have and others have. And we'll put together you know, the appropriate protocol at the time we think that it makes sense to begin to consider cruising again um, out of the U.S. So the CDC isn't saying anything, Arnold, like, okay, positivity rates, we want to see it, you know, below 10%, below 5%. They're not giving you any kind of guidance like that, specific guidance. No, not at this time. And I, and I don't think, you know, I, I don't, I think it's fine that they're not. Yeah. Again, 
you know, right now, look at the U.S. In many places, we're talking, still talking about sheltering in place, a stay at home, very limited. Universities are figuring out what to do. Schools are figuring out what to do. And as long as we're not, you know, just comfortably socially gathering, then we shouldn't be talking about crews. Now, you can comfortably socially gather with different protocols, physical distancing, wearing masks, et cetera. And, and at that point, when, when we're comfortably doing that in U.S. society, then we can seriously, you know, take a look at crews. Yeah. No, listen, I, I get it. It's my first day back in our headquarters here in New York City. <laughs> right. I have been home since mid-March. Hey, listen. Exactly. It's like, right. it's crazy, right? Like, as we've tried to figure this out. Arnold, one thing I want to ask you while we're talking about the CDC. I mean, the CDC, you know, um, you guys have read everything that they have put out. They have put out a strongly worded order as they continue to do the no sale and push that off uh, for ship sailing here out of the U.S. They say the current scientific evidence suggests that cruise ships pose a greater risk of COVID-19 transmission than other settings. And you know, they Mm -hmm. talk specifically some of the research that, you know, the Carnival Diamond Princess back in February, they talk about it transmitting COVID-19 at a reproduction rate that was four times, roughly four times higher than what we saw at the epicenter of Wuhan. You know, do you agree with the CDC's assessment that cruise ships pose a greater risk of COVID-19 transmission than anywhere else? I think what the industry will do is show the history that we have um, with other viruses, um, for example, um, norovirus and, and other viruses that happen, and show how, in fact, you know, historically the industry has successfully mitigated the risk of spread on ships, um, you know, lowered the risk relative even to shoreside type of activities. Now, we can't make that claim today for COVID-19, mm-hmm. but af- obviously that's what we aspire to and what we're working on. And I think we'll show a body of evidence um, to the CDC, which I'm sure they are also accessing. As I mentioned, we're being informed by very capable scientists and medical professionals around the world um, to, to take a look at this. But let me assure you, as a company and as an industry, uh, the cruise industry, nor us as a company, want to expose any guests to a greater risk than they would have in similar activities shoreside. And so our focus is to make certain that, you know, we are managing that risk at minimum, you know, relative to what they would experience shoreside. And we aspire, of course, that when they cruise with us, with us they have less risk than the same experience shoreside. Now, when you talk about the Diamond Princess, mm-hmm. I think people have to remember, number one, that happened really early on when there was very little understanding of um, COVID-19. Number two, that ship was a quarantine ship. The ship was in quarantine for two weeks. It was not just a normal cruise, okay? It was, it was a quarantine ship. And so uh, while it's an example of something that can happen, I think the practices today would be dramatically different than what existed at the time of the Diamond Princess. Would you have and shut was different down? Than what, and, it, and was different than what happened sub, on subsequent cruise right. um, sailings. So, yeah, Arnold, do ahead. you think if that happened today, um, and forgive me for, for interrupting, do you think no, if that no happened problem. today, you, yeah. would, you would have shut down immediately in terms of all operations? No new ships would go out? Because I, I do wonder, when you look back mm. at February and March, you know, what did you learn? What regrets that you have that maybe do you wish you had shut down ships, you know, right after the news of uh, some of the, the, the virus cases on, on Diamond Princess? Carol, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, not any analogy or breakdown if you push it too far. But, but should the world have shut down immediately 
once Wuhan province had a situation, you know, with COVID-19. Uh, I think you can only operate in the time you're in with the information you have. You know, back when Diamond Princess first started, there was not community spread around the world on COVID-19. There was very limited understanding of it. And even at the time of the sailing of Diamond Princess, there was very little understanding, you know, about COVID-19. Even now, we are still learning every day, you know, about this virus. And so it's not to make an excuse, it's just simply to point out that at that point in time, we did what we always do and what we will continue to do. We complied. We, we complied with every um, authority there was, the Royal Health Organization, the Japanese Ministry of Health. Actually, we didn't manage the quarantine or any of that. Right. You know, as soon as we identified it, you know, we went to the, Jap the Japanese Ministry of Health, told us what to do. And so, you know, our number one priority, uh, you know, our highest responsibility is compliance, environmental protection, health, safety, and well-being. And so, you know, we would do that today. You know, whatever is the informed, you know, knowledge um, that exists uh, and whatever authority is telling us, you know, what we need to do, we're, we're going to comply with that as, well, as we always would. You know, it's interesting. And I think we all feel this way, Arnold, even those of us um, in the media world, I think we were hearing stories and trying to make sense of it. But I think I, I do wonder, do you feel like you got good advice from the WHO, from the CDC? Do you feel like uh, out of Washington that the information decision making that you were getting at that time, that it wasn't really good, that it was rather muddled? I think, look, at the time, you know, Washington had very little to do with, for example, the incident in Japan, okay? Very little to do with that. And, and I think that um, uh, all of these agencies are made up of people who uh, are trying to serve the best interests of, of society and, and the public health. And so I think they do the best job they can with the information they have at the time. Right. Um, and, and I think, again, uh, are mistakes made? Of course mistakes are made. Um, but, but it's not because of, you know, just irresponsible behavior. Um, it's because people are genuinely trying to analyze and figure out what to do. And, and this is new. You know, we just have to keep in mind, it's not like there was COVID-19 popped up one day and there was perfect knowledge. Even today, we are still learning every day about this virus. And I think that we just all have to stand together, uh, uh, you know, around the world uh, and share the knowledge and learnings and experience and figure out what are the best protocols to mitigate spread of, of this virus, while at the same time allowing society not to create other unintended consequences, whether they be economic or other health issues. So talk to me a little bit about your timeline for getting back to sea, because I know when we initially talked about doing this interview, we thought that there would be ships this past weekend or yesterday right. coming out of uh, Germany. And I know all of this is being kind of pushed off to September. So. Tell me about your expectations for September. Do you anticipate, you know, a lot of ships coming out at sea? Give us a little an idea. And I do wonder, I know the no-sail order is, has been uh, pushed off, certainly here mm -hmm. in the United States. What are your expectations for the U.S. market? Well, first of all, yes, yeah, September we will start in Germany, mm -hmm. and we plan to start in, in Italy. Um, we didn't start previously in Germany, even though we have a German brand, AIDA, which sources 98% Germans, right. uh, the ships are flagged in Italy. And so we weren't able to get Italy flag clearance, but now we have it, and we also have it um, for Italy. And so we'll start with a few ships. Initially, the ships will be cruises to nowhere. They'll, they'll go out to sea and then come back, so just a few days of cruising. That's, that'll do a multiple things. Number one, it allows us to uh, manage effectively you know, the folks on board, uh, to handle 
the new processes, make sure all the training we've given our people and the new way to conduct and, and handle things is, is practiced in an efficient way. And it mitigates this, any risk of you know, spread from stopping at a destination where you might bring COVID on board after you've you know, um, screened initially to, to get started. So that's the initial. But then shortly thereafter, we will have you know, some longer cruises and we will go to some destinations, again, approved by you know, the flag states and, and by the destinations right. with the protocols in place that they want. But it'll be a few shifts at a time initially. And I suspect that overall, the industry will roll out slowly. With regards to the U.S., Carol, it's early. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. We've extended a number of our brands have gone beyond the no-sale order already in terms of Does it of happen 2020, Arnold? Or do you think it's more a 2021 No, I, I think, I know, I think there's a possibility if, if mm. we can get the mitigation of spread down and with people going back to college and high school and elementary schools and, and movement of people, if we can manage the mitigation of spread where we're, we're seeing instead of a surge, a real decline, then I think we can begin to consider, you know, um, social activities of which, of course, cruise is one. Hey, listen, just got about uh, time for one last question, Arnold. Um, sure. What is Carnival going forward? Uh, I've seen analysts over at Stiefel, they've talked about a leaner Carnival Corporation that the pandemic has allowed you to get rid of some assets that maybe you needed to, uh, and that longer term, this is a positive. What kind of company is Carnival going forward? Just got about a minute left. We'll be smaller um, with in terms of number of ships. We had 106 ships or so. We've already um, uh, either recycled or sold about 15 ships. Uh, those ships that would have happened over a few years, it just happened this year because obviously not going to generate any revenue in the short term here, and, and we can eliminate some costs as we prepare a longer runway to withstand, you know, have along this thing last. Um, but overall, we're going to be a stronger company. Um, you know, it's painful. We, we've had to take some people actions, but we have a deep bench. And once we, once we start up again, we'll be bringing a number of those people back and we'll ask some new talent. But, but we'll be leaner and stronger. But most importantly, we'll still be the best vacation experience there is and uh, one of the best vacation values there is. That was Carnival Corporation President and CEO Arnold Donald. And what's interesting, Jason, we had expected that we would be talking about ships back at sea because that was the expectation that the weekend before this interview, that was going to happen. And they had to delay it again. These are delays over in Germany and Italy. They are expecting to get ships back out to sea come September, the U.S. market. That's a lot more uncertain at this point. But I got to say, it's going to be tough going. So tough. I mean, listening to that interview, you're just reminded that the world is very different and mm -hmm. it's not coming back to normal anytime soon. Great interview. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. And be sure to check out our Bloomberg Business Week Daily Show on radio. It airs live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Jason Kelly. This is Bloomberg.